The offseason is officially completely here with the Texas Rangers and former twins Robbie Grossman, Martin Perez, Mm -hmm. and, of course, Mitch Garver bringing home the hashtag hardware. Today, though, we are going to do a debriefing of the season with zone coverage's Tom Schreier. So buckle up. This is Locked on Twins. You are Locked on Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you know I have a special guest today. As a reminder, please feel free to be active in the comments if you want to get some stuff out on the show. You can ask questions. You can make comments. Love to hear from you either on YouTube or on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren at Locked on Twins. Those DMs are open. And without further ado, Mr. Tom Schreier, Tom Schreier 3 at T Schreier 3 on the Twitter machine. I'm still calling it Twitter. Tom, how are we doing? Doing well. I love how you've gone from... You can follow me on Twitter, but I wouldn't do it to like, yeah, just don't follow me <laughs> at this point. I, think, I don't think there's any reason for like anything other than just the, the plain truth right out front. Um, Tom, the first thing I want to ask you about, and it's something that broke here this week. Dick Bramer moving on from the twins doesn't sound like it was yeah. a mutual decision. I, I I think the writing was on the wall that he probably didn't have that many years left, or maybe just was going to do next year and get his 5,000th game. But what was your immediate reaction to Dick Bramer? Well, the Twins announcing it, Dick Bramer replying to it, at least as far as posting something on Twitter with him waving and drinking a beer in a boat. Uh, <laughs> your thoughts immediately off the top of your head, off the top of your bed head, I might add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I did just wake up. Uh, I've been working for like two hours. I don't know what the hell is happening. But um, point is. <laughs> Uh, Dick Bramer, he is, uh, so I had to look this up. He started in 83. Um, I was born in 1989. So this guy has been uh, announcing games since before I was born. And that's bonkers. That's a, you know, that's a 40 year run. He he had one year off in 86, which is the year I was born. Otherwise, straight through. It's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's kind of like our Vin Scully, I guess, you know, again, Vin Scully's like mm-hmm. unique and, and, and I, you know, just to baseball in general. And, but, you know, you think back, he was in two major markets and spent most of it in LA and stuff like that. I, I always thought Vin Scully was great. Obviously I'd listened to a couple of those games um, mm-hmm. because they were West coast or whatever, but um, I will say this, go ahead. Sorry. No, a little late night listening, Vin Scully. Yeah. 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 But I, I think with, with Dick, like, it's kind of funny to walk in, you know, I, I've told you this before, but I first covered the twins in 2011. So as people here know, that's like the, the bilateral leg weakness and like this twins team that everyone thought was supposed to be good suddenly wasn't. And it, it started to fall apart right Whoa. from there. Whoa. Um, and I, you know, there was such a weird cognitive dissonance because, and I see this with our young writers now, like Lou and Theo and stuff who are in the press box, like, you're fans of the guys one day and then you have to cover them the next, you know what I mean? And it's, it's like, Oh, there's Joe Maurer. There's Kadai. I mean, Dick Bramer was in that, in that kind of, I wasn't covering him, but you know, I, I talked to him and like, you're kind of like, it's weird seeing him in any context other than in a booth 
announcing a game uh you know he still has that voice right i mean that's not manufactured that's just his voice and is is built for tv for for audio listening but like just such a kind person so he's 67 i mean he's had an incredible run here um uh i think like he's always been good to me like picked up on my name really quick which is like meaningful when you're in your like 20s and like no one knows who you are and and like Mm -hmm. you're just trying to kind of get by or whatever but like man he's always been super nice to me really gifted at what he does i mean obviously as he's gotten older there's times where you're like you know that was an off-speed pitch not a, not a fastball but you know that like all was not anywhere near the warning track yeah yeah but um but i i think like you know he um i just incredibly professional in what he does i mean just just really good you know on, on tv and and um you know has has done a good job you know obviously forever is dick and bert right and like you know there was all their antics and we got used to that broadcast and he's integrated all these other players and i think that's just been key for the broadcast it's guys from different generations you talk about morneau who like knew a ton about baseball was very like quiet when he first started Mm -hmm. um and i think has improved a lot i've probably told you this before but it like it was in milwaukee in 2019 he asked me how he was doing on the broadcast and i was like well, this is not an expert in opinion, but I'm like, I learn a lot from you, but you do not project your voice very much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but you like, you know, you have more. No, you Smalley from that generation. I think Smalley's really good. Like for a guy who's older, he's not crusty, right? He kind of, he, he knows the modern game, embraces the modern game, but brings this perspective of a guy who had so much success, you know, with some of those early winning twins teams and like, um, and from playing in other markets and stuff too. And then, you know, Latroy Hawkins, I think has been really good when they get Tory Hunter on there. He's always entertaining. And like all these guys, are just very different people and he's been able to kind of work with them and bring out the best in them and there's something kind of giving about dick bremer where he talks about that how he wanted to get to 5,000 games and we can get into like you know whether he was pushed out or whatever but regardless like he said this is not about me and i think he means that like i think he was always about like i'm a huge twins fan i'm a huge baseball fan he is i will say this he will go down into the clubhouse or he did and like ask questions and talk to players. And I, it's actually the thing I learned most from him is like, you're okay. Just ask taking two minutes. And I did this a lot as, or I've done this a lot as I've gotten older, like just two minutes to talk to a guy off the record, just to get a little more perspective, a little more information. And and Dick did that all the time. And I think that's why his broadcast was so good. He had the details about the grip on the ball or what the guy was doing yesterday or how this guy's improved or the change in the pitch pitch mix. And that stuff he all did well because he like, he was in asking questions, still curious about the game, still learning. He, 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 it's not like he had it all figured out. Right. And really took investment and interest in the players. And like he has, uh, pass that on in, in a broadcast form in a really meaningful way. I mean, like as much as, you know, the people hopefully read our articles and, and, and listen to the radio for, for, you know, sports talk and stuff like you're hitting a huge audience when you are on TV. I mean, that's almost anyone, right. Unless I guess you mute it, like listening to the broadcast and taking in that information. I think he did. He balanced really being informative and obviously a homer. I mean, he's a fan of the team and like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man, like that's, that's just, it's a great career. I think the good thing is that he'll be a special assistant and as much as like, I think that's kind of in a biggest role and people like what he did. Listen, I think it's a good thing that, you know, it's often ex players, but like Tory Hunter's in the clubhouse every once in a while and Santana's you think about Santana and Lopez and their connection. I mean, they're, they're in the clubhouse together talking through pitching and like, you know, Kadira walks through and, and Mauro Mano and all these guys. Like, I think as much as Dick can't talk from being a player, obviously he can talk from, 40 years of perspective going back to the eighties about the Minnesota twins and having seen the twins, you know, kind of at, 
I mean, I can't remember it for obvious reasons, the 83 season, but like he saw the ramp up to 87, right? Saw 91, saw what happened with 91 in 2001, the garden higher era, um, you know, Mulder and Rocker. And like, I think that perspective is going to be incredibly valuable to players. And I think like he has learned from one player and may be able to pass it on from another. It's not, you can't go, I'm Johan Santana. I can tell you how to pitch, right? But like he can, he's not Tori Hunter, but even like what Tori Hunter does is a lot of like stay at equilibrium, you know, like, um, all this stuff kind of preaching mental stuff, right? He does know how to take an at bat. He was a really special player. He knows how to patrol the outfield, but like he's, you know, and, and Dick can do that in his own way. So I'm glad he'll still be around the twins. I'm very curious what the broadcast will be. I don't think they'll have a deal with Bally's. I'm curious how like that will affect their payroll and how it will affect the broadcast and how we watch games. Um, but that all feels kind of small. And I, I mean that in a very sincere way, because like, there's something lost when Dick Bremer's not on the broadcast. We knew it was going to come eventually, but it kind of just came suddenly. And, you know, I'm still kind of thinking about it to this day. Yeah. Uh, five years ago, he actually gave me some time for a story on zone coverage about the 20 year anniversary of the David Wells perfect game, which was at Yankee stadium. And, and anyway, if you go back, if you look up David Wells, perfect game, 20 years later, that will come up and you're going to want to pack a lunch because it's a pretty long story, but I would highly recommend it. Tom, one second, we got to do one quick thing here and then we'll come back and talk about the good things from the 2023 twin season. But first a word from our friends at FanDuel. All right. It is NFL season. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when you get any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. I don't know about you, Tom Schreier, but I like to think of the idea as either the Vikings win or I win. So you bet against the Vikings. That's <laughs> team and either way you come out ahead but the app is so 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 easy to use there's a wide range of options to bet including spreads player props overs unders and more again anything that you can imagine it is there and you get a hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet couldn't be any easier it's the no-brainer of the year so visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season fanduel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, we're rolling into the bullpen here, second segment. And thank you for making us your first listen every day. If you're an everyday or check back, actually, a little later today, I'm going to have my Twins offseason blueprint 1.0. Got some fun ideas, but we'll see where it goes from there. I do, Tom, want to talk about the good things because there are so many good things that happened with the Twins this year. The pitching, especially with how much grief I got on Twitter for saying that I thought their pitching would be good. Their pitching rotation was tremendous. The bullpen more or less did its job. And the offense really started cooking late in the season. There were a lot of things to be positive about. Tom, what are some things that stand out to you uh, from your vantage point as far as things that went right for the 2023 Twins? Yeah, I mean, I think thinking pitching specifically, like, they really stuck to their gut on, on these players. And it, like, I will say this, it's different, you know, like obviously you remember with Terry, he'd come down and just like talk on the record for 20 minutes during, you know, dinner, which was wild. Right. Like um, when the twins are in town, like Falvey's more like, you know, he has some availabilities and it's mostly you just grab him at any moment. And like, I kind of keep picking his mind about, especially with Pablo Lopez, especially with Emilio Pagan. And like, 
but both of them, just to be honest, I like both those guys. Like Lopez is crazy. Could have been a doctor. Um, really smart dude. I remember talking to him about how like he almost should have been a football player because like football players learn in a classroom, right? You like the defense, the offense, they all sit there, the secondary, whatever. And they, they sit there and like, there's a presentation people who've seen hard knocks have seen this right and like they bounce questions off the the coaching staff and stuff you know you learn individually um when you're a baseball player going through you know with the catcher and you think about the guys in the bullpen kind of talk with each other or whatever like um and lopez is fine he's he's learning perfectly fine uh but you know i looked at him and i kind of looked at some underlying metrics and like the the whip and the fip would indicate like he was good all year long and he was getting babbit right and he's in you know all these acronyms and phrases but essentially right the the um feeling independent pitching he was pitching fine wasn't getting the defense occasionally a ball and play would kind of find its way through the infield and he'd be like i don't know how that happened Right. once twice three times in the sixth inning and you're like all of a sudden a good start gets spoiled um and webs obviously walks and hits over innings pitch like you know he was he was limiting batters and and getting unlucky in certain situations and that evened out and it's very funny that it evened out around the time that that Luis Arise went from 400 to 350 we got to be honest like 350 is a pretty good batting average but you know like it is hard when you're looking at ESPN, right? And I just have it on the you know, all the time. And I know most sports fans, like, you almost can't avoid it. And you see, like, the only baseball update at the time, it felt like, was this chasing 400. And you're like, well, why the hell did they trade that guy for, you know, for for this pitcher who has, like, a three-something ERA? And, it, you know, it starts coming down. And, um, you know, obviously, he was spectacular with Pagan. It was more like, hey, nice, dude. I also kind of like these veterans are kind of hanging on self-belief, you know, at that point, like he's a, I think he was like a 12th round pick or whatever, who's carved a path for himself in the majors. And like, I kept looking and I was like, actually his medium leverage stats are fine. They're actually weirdly better than his low leverage stats. And he probably shouldn't be used in high leverage innings. And like, um, you know, it wasn't just those two guys, but I think their philosophy manifested there, right? It was belief in Sonny Gray as he gets older and he can pitch less, you know, he's getting to 80 pitches. He's starting to kind of wear down third time through the, but he's spectacular in the beginning. And, you know, if you talk to like mm-hmm. Mackie and some of these guys, the pitching coach, they're like, we need him because like, he is so process oriented and it's easier to be if you're more established, like Sonny Gray, yeah. multiple, multiple time all-star, like was good basically anywhere, but New York. Um, but you know, so process oriented and he's trying to go, Hey, let's have Balazovic be a little more process oriented. Let's have Joe Ryan be a little more process oriented. You know, these guys, Bailey Ober, these younger guys, um, really encouraging sign too, that like Joe Ryan continues to tinker with his stuff. It is fastball heavy, but I think, you know, he's going with the splitter, um, it, you know, it, passing on some, you know, curveball and stuff. Some of the pitches that weren't working for him, Bailey Ober, like the fact that you, you have him draft him in the teens, you're always going to have that pick. Right. And like, this guy becomes kind of a viable starter, right? I think even like a Louis Varland, I think it's be really interesting, like from a human perspective, how that works. But like, he was a viable starter who, again, like this guy was pitching 83 in Concordia with just a fastball, you know, guy out of North St. Paul, one of us in in every sense of the word. And like, you know, I talked to his, his coach, uh, Lunch McKenzie, who's a trip of a human being, but, uh, but, uh, and, and, uh, uh, learner, the current guy there, but like, uh, was, was a little bit, a little more stable, but like, um, and I mean that in the nicest way possible that just McKenzie yeah. is a big, big personality. Anyone who's talked to him, he is, he's a spectacular guy. Loves the Varlins, both, um, Lou and his brother Gus, but like, you know, you think of a guy 83 and, and uh, throwing 83 miles per hour. And now he's throwing 95 as a starter. He probably has to work on some off-speed stuff. Really good reliever and i think at the very least you developed a very very high-end reliever with a late pick the duran thing like if you look back on that trade people hated it he turns out to be one of the best relievers in baseball capable of pitching three or six innings um you know 
the bullpen, I still think like they need to work on it because it filled out in the playoffs because you can move Paddock in there, right? And you know, you can move mm-hmm. Kenta Maeda in there and stuff like that. I do think you need a viable 162 game bullpen, meaning like they have to evaluate Jackson. Like, is he a setup guy or is there uncertainty there? I think he will be a high end reliever, but is he set up right? Um, what's the best use of Durant? Cause you can go six innings, but I think it was wearing on him at one point. And I think that's why his stuff kind of got wonky in the middle of, or kind of late in the season. Um, so like, how do you manage Durant perfectly? Um, uh, you know, how do you fill out the rotation? Is it Paddock and Varlin or is it like you moving Varlin and kind of pushing Varlin maybe into more of a setup role and stuff like that, or have Var? I mean, this, we're still probably a ways away from this, but like, could Varlin be the closer and then you can move Duran right. into the fireman role. Right. And like, you know, I think like you're going to have to have that conversation with him because Varlin wants to start. And, um, I, I do the paddock thing's crazy to me. Like, I know I'm just like going mm-hmm. down a list of names here, but like the fact that they were right about him, like this guy no. who's had multiple Tommy John who they, I mean, dude, that trade with getting Pagan and uh paddock and Rooker like just and paddock and yeah. Well, and just like the trajectory of those players, because, um, because like obviously um God, the lefty who I'm I'm blank uh, um Taylor, Taylor Rogers. Right? Yeah, Taylor Rogers, yeah. like um he was so beloved here, right? Because he was such yeah. a great player. His trajectory, signing the big contract, struggling right away, kind of finding his groove with his his brother who's the submariner in, in San Francisco, and then um uh, what's his name that uh went to Oakland and was like killing it for like a month? <laughs> yeah, Brown. and like I should have pulled this up before I started talking about it, but, um, but yeah, just <laughs> yeah. like, just like the crazy, crazy trajectory of all those players. And the fact that they may have come out on the right side of that. I don't know if Pagano resign here. I think he's probably like got a year or two left in the majors. And I say that knowing like not only probably just where he's at physically and kind of relievers tend to hit a wall in their, you know, early thirties, but like um, he has a family and stuff. I think at some point, you know, he's going to want to kind of, um move away from playing baseball you know he may end up coaching or whatever but um uh but you know you got something out of pagan there in the second year i think paddock might just become kind of part of the rotation um Mm -hmm. and it's funny i think this first wave is going to be built especially at the starters through trades and that's how cleveland did it right cleveland acquired this group and then beaver and i you know i think they i think mckenzie was their own guy and stuff like they you know they started to build it internally and i think that's kind of where we're at we're in that first phase where forever it seemed like when are they going to get the pitching isn't that why they got falvey all this stuff it's like finally it seems like they kind of have something viable here um but i think that first wave was being right about lopez being right about joe ryan being right about sunny gray um uh, and then the second wave is going to be, is Marlon a starter? What's Ober? I, I think Ober's at least a four, but like, is he anything more than that? But I think, you know, right. viable, um, Paddock obviously is a trade guy. And then like kind of what's next for this next wave, like CJ Culpepper or something, you know, kind of you, you go down in the minor leagues, yeah. like, are there guys there who will manifest at some point? Because I think at some point the magic runs out with the trades. I think like there's always probably a Lopez deal, but it's always risky. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Joe Ryan one, like. I know people love Nelson Cruz, man. Like that's cra- I. I've always said, don't trade with the race. Like you're never going to yeah. win that trade. No, and, it's possible. Yeah, and so you know, I don't know. The order, they won the Odorizzi trade too, for what it's worth. Yeah, and I think that just tells you, like, I I think people accuse the Twins of kind of being machines, right? As though like Falvey's yeah. just sitting there on his calculator, right, and like then going to Rocco. They're such a funny organization that they're, and it's a good thing they're very open, right? Like I've talked about mm-hmm. how Falvey, you can just like grab him in the hall, and and I asked, I hey, what's up with this Baltimore trade? And not that I was like taking him on, I just was like, man, like I actually, you know, thought um, Jorge Lopez would be all right, and he has stuff. I think it's mostly mental for him, but I was mm-hmm. like, 
man, that trade didn't end up looking good. And like kind of what happened with Mally, cause that looked good. And then suddenly doesn't and, like, he's very open with it. The other thing is they won't let you into the meetings, but like, they just have their door open. Like I'll be walking out of the clubhouse after interviewing the players and I'll just see like Levine, Falvey and, and Rocco just talking through things and they talk like people, you know what I mean? I, it is yeah. based in analytics and statistics, but what I'm getting at is I think they're marrying the, we want to build a culture. We want a relationship with the players. We want guys to, to want to be in Minnesota, but like they can go make a trade with the Rays cause they won't just get sniped. Right. You know what? Mm-hmm. The Rays won't just outsmart them. You know what I mean? And, right. and like the formula to win for the twins is, be like a better version, like kind of better funded in a better stadium in a better market than, than Tampa and Oakland. And like, um, that has been, to me, that's the Cardinals. It's the Cardinals. Yes. You want to be the, and I mean, I think we went through this during the year. Like you have to be like seven years old or something to remember. I'm trying to think the last time the Cardinals lost, like you'd have to be seven to remember it or something like that. Is there some crazy stat, but like that team. And I've said that before. One of my best friends is a, a diehard Cardinals fans. And I know like Ahmad Hicks comes from there and Hicks, you know, like it was a group of Cardinals fan. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, my buddy from college, we used to go out to Cardinals games and like, um, you know, like for him, he doesn't live there anymore. So it's kind of going back home and stuff like that. And like, I was like, man, this is what the twins should be. Just how they develop yep. pitching, how they are loyal to the, they're loyal to their guys. They take risks on, on veterans. Like well, guys want to play there. They had a stretch where for like 70 straight years, they had at least one hall of famer on the roster at all times. Yeah. And it's, and it's home- pools. And so, I mean, you know, they had- counted pools and that he's not in there yet. No, and that's the bonkers thing is like Pujols is a guy like I think a Peoria Community College or whatever, right? Like, um, you know, they they develop pitching, they develop players, they the guys want to stay there, and it's not St. Louis is fine, but it's not like you know, it's it's not like a New York, LA or whatever, where like yeah. obviously players want to yeah. be there. Like they, it's guys who probably go there, probably don't know much about it, and and fall in love with the city and the fans there, and like that's what you have to have in Minnesota. I always say like I don't think the free agent thing matters as much in Minnesota because. While they may see snow in April and man, the World Series would have been cold. Like um, the gut of the season, the heart of the season, it's the best time to be in Minnesota. And then they just mm-hmm. go to Florida or Nashville or Phoenix or you know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. they're fine. They're never going to get cold. Like they, you know what I mean. So I think, uh, um, yes, I think I think the Cardinals are a good, the good example. The other thing is you don't want to be. I think Atlanta can be kind of cheap for a team that's not Oakland or Tampa, but like you yep. want the mentality Atlanta has where they're very economical. They make good pickups. They have baseball people there. So it's not just again, like an abacus there. Are like mm-hmm. there is baseball sense in what they do. So, you know, I'm trying to think of some of those teams. Atlanta's a little bit bigger market, but we don't think of like Atlanta as being one of the kind of the superstar cities as much as I think it's an attractive place. to It's live, an but airport like, hub, but so is Minnesota. Yeah. And I think I, and that's the other thing is if, I mean, I guess players from the Sun Belt would be more familiar with it, but like, if you're not mm-hmm. necessarily from there, like you're a guy from California, I think guys settle in there. So like, just uh, point being like, I just think, yeah, there are models for what Minnesota is doing. I think the other good sign is that Falvey didn't have success. And then it was like, Hey, Boston has an opening, you know, like, um, yeah. and, and it, here's the thing, like, it'd be hard to blame him from a human perspective. Like he's from Lynn, Massachusetts, which is just outside of there. I mean, here's the funny thing. I said this to him when, when I mean, like if, if, if a manager spot came up and Rocco wasn't interested, you know what I mean? Or they were interested in Rocco. Well, that's, that's the direction I was going is oh, like, sorry, I, st- I jumped. No, in, no, sorry. no, you're good. Like, I think I remember talking to Felvin. I said, it is kind of ironic. Cause I was texting with some of my friends from Boston or diehard Red Sox fans. They were kind of pulling for the twins, um, you know, throughout all this. And like, um, uh, they live on com ave commerce ave which is like right near where fenway is so they go to games all the time and like um they were like i we were texting about this and i was like it is kind of ironic that after all these years of boston 
taking advantage essentially of Minnesota's mismanagement, right? You think of Ortiz, you think of Moss, um, I'm trying to Garnett, like uh, two guys from the Boston area. I, Rocco is, is Rhode Island, but like geographically, like you can New live England. in, yeah. And yeah, you can live in like, he's not from Providence, but you can live in Providence, like the big city and commute up to Boston. It's not that far. So like he's right. essentially a Boston guy had played there. It's funny that two guys from that area, mm-hmm have come and had success and broken these kind of losing streaks and all this stuff mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And that it doesn't look like they're eyeing anything else. I, I certainly Rocco has taken his fair share of, he's seen signs of fire Rocco. He's heard certain media members say that certainly not you and I, but like yeah. there's, there's people that want him out. They, whatever. And I think that comes with the territory. And yet I think they see Rocco's also like, you know, I don't know how familiar he was with Minnesota. Like, you know, this wasn't Tampa or whatever the organization right. he came up with. And I think, right. Um, you know, I think he like, um, they have found a home here and like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's super important. And like, I think, uh, this could, I always believe continuity is important in sports. There's a certain point, like late in the garden Harry area where you're like, man, it's just getting between him and Terry. It was like, they just don't really embrace analytics. This is very much a super scout, right? And Terry still is like, I believe he works for the Phillies and like, he still knows baseball from that capacity yep. and garden hire. Who's like a people person. Right. I mean, I think he could be tough on players and certainly we saw him lash yeah. out at like umpires and stuff, but like he is a perfect, you know, it, players loved him no matter what. Right. And winning, losing, whatever. And I think there is value in that. And they had a long run of success it had to come to an end at some point. And I think like this next wave Rocco is a per- people person. Like he's different. Right. I mean, we talk, mm-hmm. he's different from mm-hmm. even a baseball guy like this, you know, kind of fish and like, I, I don't know, different personality, but he's always laid back. He, he knows when to kind of put the clamps down. Like when they were in Atlanta struggling, he also yep. like, I thought he would go back to that method when they got blown out. Cause I think it was 15 two to Baltimore right before they all start breaking. Instead, he was like, let's not panic. These guys need a little time off. Let's get back at, and they weren't that great in Oakland. Right. And he kind of just kind of enacted recovery. Right. And I think, um, I think the same thing goes for, um, you know, like Felvin Levine are looking at analytics and and Mm -hmm. new age thinking. But again, I see them talking to players all the time. And I think they value like, not just their stars of Lopez who they did a good job signing or Correa yeah. who I believe Correa once he gets off his feet, literally like he'll, he'll recover and hit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not just Correa. It's not just Lopez. It's not just Buxton when he's healthy. It's like they value Donovan Solano and like a guy like that and what he brings a farmer, what he brings um, uh, you know, some, some of these. And then I think they're good with the young players, like managing Balazovic, who's head up and down to Walner. Certainly like they Walner was just a crunch and then being faithful to the right guys. You think about like Kepler, who I think was very good defensively all year. Granted doesn't really want to play center anymore, but it's good. In the but corners. everybody wanted to DFA him in July. And he started hitting and was really, really important. And he, I think him and Plonk are just so important to the team because they, like, they started, I think, in 09. They signed in when they were 16. They were in the same international free agency class as Sano, like an all time legendary IFA class. Which is bonkers because what's his name? It's Smith, like the the GM who, like, obviously, Billy Smith, yeah, who made other mistakes. Like, he nailed that. Um, But, like, you know, these guys who are tenured and even Buxton to some extent, like, they know the value of these guys. And I talked to Plonk a little bit about it. It's like, 
they've been wanting to do this since they signed, like kind of mm-hmm. changed the twins. And and it's so weird given, I think the twins actually have been well run for most of their, you know, kind mm-hmm. of recent, recent history. Right. But like, mm-hmm. you know, as always, they were good AO central team and just struggled in the playoffs and then kind of lost their way for a little bit. And it just didn't feel like they recovered, even though there were like signs of it in the Mulder era. And there was like signs of it early in the Rocco era. Like, it always felt like, ah, they're going to lose. And I, I still think there's some questions. They're going to have to figure out how you get as good as Houston is, right? I mean, I still – I think that series was closer than maybe it indicated, but Houston was the better team. Yep. The Yankees will be back. How do you beat a team like that given, like, it's a big market. It's a tough place to play. I think they'll be back in the playoffs. Boston, when they get back. Um, even, like, a Texas. Like, I always go back to Dow Sports should be better. I was texting with my cousin who, like, who goes to school down there. He's not a Rangers fan, but, like, his buddies are, and he was hanging out with them last night probably partying too much and like <laughs> probably he, probably but uh he was like you know he's like dude like dallas is a huge city like a lot of the players live there um i'm trying to think so like tory hunter does and and uh royce lewis and stuff like that and like i think that's you know it's a it's a growing area it's it's like there's a lot of rangers fans they may not be as relevant actually but the rangers could build off this right they have resources players want to play there like it's you know yeah. it's a desirable place to live so like I think um, new stadium, all that stuff. And so, you know, I just think you're going to have to contend with with formidable foes here. But I mm-hmm. think the Twins kind of hung with everybody. I mean, I, you know, it's Baltimore. They, they handled Arizona and Texas well this year. Yeah. And like at times, like the Rays and, and I know the Rays in Baltimore weren't very good in the playoffs, but like the Rays in Baltimore looked better than them at times. But, but the like, Rays were insane to start the year, too. Like just incredible. Yeah. So I just, my thing is like the, the twins, we can evaluate them as a normal team. Like, you know, I think it's, um, uh, um, you know, we, we talked about the pitchers, but I, I think the hitters kind of go, there, there's certainly like improvement to be made, but like, that's maybe a little more straightforward. The pitching for me was always the question. Now it's really like, can Bucks get healthy enough to, to get the at-bats and potentially play center? Um, I think Correa will, if, if you, if he's, foot heels which at this point he should just be sitting and watching star wars and loki i think that's my <laughs> that's my recommendation for him um uh, but you know like uh you know certainly we saw it from like julian who's just felt like a professional hitter since day one and showman his guy who Derek showman who's a the assistant hitting coach like came up with him like he's been there every step of the way with him working with him walner like could he cut down on the strikeouts but certainly has the power like you know we're starting to see like a a how Felvey always talks about it just power hitting and power pitching and like the power pitching is coming along here um finally there's below finally the strikeouts and with the hitting it's what's this balance right like we know for example gallo isn't going to be there but like can right. walner be something more than gallo i certainly he has the arm strength certainly he has the power um right. what's his route to the balls will he be more disciplined at the plate um stuff like that you know is there anything left for larnick or what do you kind of do there um you know how do you like what's Polanco's role or Julian's role. You know what I mean? There's some kind of second base intrigue in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like, is Miranda just sophomore slump or is he out of the plans of Royce Lewis as the third baseman? You know what I mean? Like, I just think there's like, there is some of that. And we probably should have just led with Royce Lewis. The fact that like, that's the first <laughs> overall pick Mike Radcliffe, like that, there's a hundred different things this guy did. Right. But like, I think the thing we will remember is that he was like, he has this it factor. This is the light Radcliffe power scout. Right. Um, who died too soon. And like, he, um, he was like, Royce Lewis has this it factor and man, does he like, he just in that first game when, uh, you know, against Toronto where he like turns and addresses the crowd, gets them all pumped up when most of the guys and it's fine. Just kind of like go and high five their teammates, whatever he's engaging the crowd hits, hits these bombs. And like, 
Royce Lewis is the real deal and that gives you authentic power and stuff like that. So you see like, Hey, if this team stays relatively healthy, if boxing can kind of, you know, again, like I'm, I know they're managing it, but like he can be healthy. If Lewis can stay healthy, if, you know, Julian keeps on this path, I just think that guy's just a pro. And I think he's, he's going to be a really great player. And like, mm-hmm. um, Walner gets more discipline, all this stuff, like even Jeffers, like Jeffers had a rough playoffs, but I thought it was really impressive. Like if these guys, all of a sudden you have the power, the, power pitching power hitting and you you go this wasn't just a flash in the pan this wasn't just break the spell and then rebuild a new team and try to take a step further it's next year you have to how how do you compare against the astros and i think the team will point out they did win series against the astros i believe the season series against the astros the yankees um i mean Uh, yeah i believe so and then hey how do you like here's the other question is like don't take the foot off the gas when you're playing kansas city and detroit right you know like i think detroit actually took the season series and kansas city swept they, them they won like game. 78 games too like they're right there yeah and i think detroit will probably i mean i'm it's really weird projecting the central right because it's like at some point chicago just has to kind of reset the whole thing i think um i think they're Cle- doing that now I yeah think they're going to do that now i think cleveland's gonna like just kind of hang around i think they are what they are and i think they always have a good bat to ball skills and some good pitching and and probably not much else and they'll just they'll lurk and, and like they'll if you if you give them the division they'll take it they'll they'll mm-hmm. be happy to do so the twins um, try to this year yeah and i think many many turns now they're gonna have a change too right because tito's out and stuff so you know like it, it, cleveland's yeah. going through some change kansas city's not there yet but we'll get good we think right if they're managed right like they, they'll have the resources to be good is how i should put it and i think detroit's kind of on the way up and I, I think the point is that the twins have this window they have a filled out filled out roster you're not going and trying to find the ace because lopez is good enough right i'm not suggesting scherzer verlander like that kind of player but like he is kershaw. ace yeah kershaw he, but he's ace caliber um i think it's a question of like do you take a risk on Sonny Gray or someone similar, like a little bit older to give you a one-two punch? How do they develop pitching behind these guys? How, here's the thing. At some point, like the Varlins, not him specifically necessarily, but like eventually guys who probably could start will end up in the bullpen because they just want him to reach like Balazovic. Balazovic's a good example of, I think he could maybe start at some point, but like given his age and I think he was a great prospect, but you know, like he had kind of up and down for a season. He may be better off just being kind of like a six inning guy in the bullpen. Well, and, right? and don't, yeah, don't waste the bullets if he's 25 at AAA pitching okay. Get yeah. him up here, see what he's capable of because you only have so many years. And I think to be fair, that guy, he looked good at times. I certainly he like did. He, could, he really he, did. He was the opposite of Lopez. You could see the whip and FIP jump, and then you're like, well, eventually his ERA will jump. But like, again, this is a guy who needs to work on his secondary pitches. I thought through the fastball pretty well. So like, I think like, you know, they are starting to kind of put it together and it just like mm-hmm. the machine should hum for a while. They have some runway. What they need to do is not be a good AL central team. That was the issue with kind of the garden hire era. It's like, mm-hmm. they have to just be a really good team. And I think the best thing is like a guy like Correa, like he has to hate that Houston beat him. Right. And he's going, oh, I'm sure he's telling all these guys, you know, as much as they'll emphasize the joy and the good moments, he goes, dude, you guys don't want to feel this every year. You don't want to constantly get this close and have, a Yankees or a Red Sox or if the Rangers go on a run or Houston constantly beat you. It's not going to be fun. And I think mm-hmm. for the twins, we now just have to value them as a normal team. Could, can they compete with the big guys? You know, it's no longer cursed. It's no longer doesn't have pitching. It's no longer like doesn't have star power, doesn't spend money. It's they spend what a mid-market team should and they have star players and they have good young talent and like they have a tenured GM and, and, and uh manager. And I think, um, at this point, it's just like 
it's that final, you know, it's almost like losing weight, right? You kind of shed the first 20 and then you're like, how do you get the last 10 off? Like, mm -hmm. how do you get that last 10? You know, what's the, um, what's that little edge that the twins can get? And I think that they, uh, um, they're capable of it. It's just a matter of like a little bit of health. And then it's, it's really to me, player development, keep Julian going, keep Walner going, keep Royce yep. Lewis going, fill out a bullpen and a rotation with guys from, from my work system. Yeah, and see where you go from there. Uh, a couple of positives I wanted to hone in on. Obviously, there's some obvious ones like Royce Lewis, but the development of, of Ryan Jeffers is a big one for me just because to go from having a catcher with big league playoff pedigree, World Series rings, to now you have a guy who can hit as well. I mean, kind of having a mix and match there isn't a bad thing. And then the depth. Donovan Solano was third on the team in plate appearances this year. I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. And that was the difference between 22 and 23, I think was just that they were better protected against that. Maybe Nick Paparesta and that change didn't do quite what they had hoped. Certainly Byron Buxton not playing as much as they had hoped and Carlos Correa having a down year. Um, and I want to transition quickly from good to bad. If I can keep you for a little bit longer, we'll talk about the bad and then we'll get out of here. Um, the, the, the bad for me isn't necessarily wholly bad. Uh, Pythagorean record 93 and 69. So six games off that pace. They did have a few games that they lost in heartbreaking fashion. We all know and remember those. But what I think is the case is if you can't count on your depth again, your Kyle Farmers, your Willie Castros, your Donovan Solanos, you probably can expect something more from Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, yeah, you know Jorge Polanco in terms of volume if he plays the full season. I still am enthused about this team. So even with the bad the hitting was extremely inconsistent early. I, I really didn't think they had enough of a plan. Turned it on late. Um, I do think if you look at this team, if everything comes together the way you want it to, you look at the Rangers and you look at the, the Braves from a few years ago, you do not, absolutely do not need everything to go perfectly to win the World Series. We saw it in 87. The Twins had a negative run differential. Different times, but in uh, in the year that the Braves won, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. out. This year with the Rangers, their bullpen, go on baseball reference and look at their bullpen. Literally every reliever that was a, a near the top of the innings count for them out of the bullpen has an ERA like on average of about 4.5. You don't need to be perfect. You need things to come together at the right time. I felt like for the Twins, that was actually happening. You get Paddock back. You got guys rounding into form. Duran's Little hiccup there in you know August or whatever it was seemed to come around. Jax's hiccup come around. They had as much as you could have reasonably hoped for going for them into the postseason, but I think the future can still be brighter. Like we don't have to see this team peak at a few playoff wins and ah shucks we tried. I really do think that they're in a good place. Also that you know the financial thing for the off season before I get back to you on the bad stuff. Um, it's going to affect many teams because the regional sports networks are lots of teams. So what I would maybe watch for is the teams that have their own networks, the yes network, uh, NESN, uh, SNY for the Mets, um, White Sox with Chicago, NBC sports, Chicago. There's a lot of teams that may be not as affected by these rights as the Bally teams. And there's, a, I mean, I think there's almost 20 Bally teams, so I'll be curious to see how that all shakes out, but I think it'll probably affect teams relatively similarly under that umbrella. And again, you know, for the longest time in 13, 14, et cetera, I kind of backed up the fact that the twins didn't throw a bunch of money at a bad roster. 
Well, that money has to come to fruition now. And I think it has with Carlos Correa, uh, Pablo Lopez. I still think they have room for one more good size deal. Cody Bellinger is my guy. But I just think you, more, more so than any other time, except maybe 2019, because the 2020 pause was bad for everybody. This is about as good as I can imagine feeling about the Twins. And you still look back and say, man, Byron Buxton didn't give you much this year. And man, Carlos Correa didn't give you much this year. But Eddie Julien steps up. Matt Walner steps up. Max Kepler picks it up in the second half of the season. Uh, Donovan Solano was Mr. Reliable. Uh, Willie Castro, just an incredible revelation. Even with the bad, I think you can funnel that into good moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think we should have mentioned Castro too. Great pickup, yeah. like kind of did yeah. everything. Hustle guy, just one of my favorite players because that mm -hmm. dude's awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Solano, another. And so I think here's the thing: it might not be the same cast of characters. I wouldn't be shocked if they kept Castro around. But for example, Solano, there's some conversation of what you offer a guy given his age and stuff. But like, you need to find the next Solano's. Like they've had, I think he's like Matt Whistler's and stuff. Like these guys who are like one year wonders, right? And the, mm -hmm. I think those guys matter because they fill out bullpens and they fill out lineups. The number one thing I think I want to see with this team, aside from maintaining the pitching, is you can't struggle with the runners in scoring position. Like that is just a, it's just unproductive. Like you can't win games. It's bad offense, all this stuff. But it is the most frustrating thing to watch. Like you can just hear the entire stadium groan when you're like, man, you got guys on the corners and you know, you have an out and you, you strike out and then, you know, like a little pop or whatever, like you or a like, Korea double play ball. Yeah. 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 And you're, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I think runners at scoring position specifically got to fix that. Got to lengthen the lineup. Got to have enough guys to, yeah. to drive and runs. The, the thing you can't do is go into this off season feeling good and then not do anything meaningful. I still think you need some sort of meaningful move. I think it's probably trading for a pitcher a la the Pablo Lopez trade, but um, the, the, the biggest worry I would have would be not doing anything. And we've never really seen this front office not be active. No, but no. I, I just think if, uh, if they go into this off season and kind of wait things out, it's probably more likely to be negative than positive. Yeah. And I, I, the other thing is you obviously need more out of the $200 million and $100 million player, right? That's like, that's obvious. But again, I I'm very, I believe Correa. I don't think Correa forgot to hit. I think no. he like I'm surprised how the foot injury affected him because he was a great defensive player in key moments. You think of him throwing home against Toronto, but like also that, just I just incredible. made stuff routine. I, right, he made stuff routine that like are impossible plays for other players, especially a guy his size. Right, ball over his head, ball skipping through the infield that he dives on. Right, and yeah. I think it's sad. I think the foot sapped his power at the play and maybe his confidence a little bit it affected his mm -hmm. confidence in some way. And like, um, I and think more bad the, two strike swings than I can recall. Yeah. 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 And it's not, it's not as though he lacks, he's a confident dude. It's just like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more, it's more like he, he probably didn't fully feel like Carlos Correa, like kind of well, trust Correa. your body. If you can't trust your body, it's really hard to play baseball. Yeah. So I think that Buxton's a harder one. I just think the knees are worn down. Those are tough injuries, man. Like you see it with basketball players, all this stuff. I do think, Paparesta will like Matt and that that team will manage it as best they can. I think they'll probably come out with a different strategy. I mean, it's hey, you have yeah. to have the same same conversation with Royce Lewis. You can't tear his ACL again for obvious reasons. So like, yeah. you know, in, in that in they had to manage a hamstring injury, those things linger, right? And so like you oblique stuff like that. So like, you know, you're gonna have to manage a lot of these guys. But to me, yeah, it's it's like I trust Julian and and Royce Lewis and and you know, kind of some of this young pitching like. You with Buxton, it's just like I do think there's something missing if Buxton there as much as he 
didn't do much with the plate appearance he had for him to come out of the dugout. I, I just think that mattered so much to the team. Mm-hmm. And he's such a spectacular player with healthy. And I just think, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be like 140. You know what I mean? I just like, I, I don't that it, he may have a season like that, but I don't think we can project that for the rest of the contract. I think it's more like you have to squeeze everything you can there because for Byron Buxton, who loves baseball and wants to impact mm-hmm. the twins and for the twins in general and for the fans, because when Byron Buxton is right, there's no other player like him. And I mean that literally like if he gets the balls that other players can't yeah produces gotta, in big moments yeah. you got to squeeze all the juice you can out of him and hope he's not a banana yeah 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 I mean, and i just and so yeah i mean i just think there's there's still room to grow not just in terms of moves they can make in player development in terms of managing stars and i think it's keep lewis healthy get you know to the extent you can with bucks and he puts in the effort they're putting in the effort but you got to do as much as you can there and then with Korea, it's just like it's probably telling a guy, Hey, you can't work out all the time. Like you have to sit, you know? And I think that's tough. I think he wants to get better. There's no one in better shape. Like he's a superstar player and stuff, but like, you know, I think it's telling him, Hey, if your foot's not right, it doesn't matter how much, you know, uh, how lean you are, how much you can lift or if you can dive after a ball in the infield. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be, it's still an off interesting off season. I think the best thing Uh about it is, it's not, can they be good, right? It's, can they be one of the best teams in baseball? It's a much more fun conversation. So two quick ones, and then we'll let you go. Um, if you had to pick a player not in the organization right now that you think the Twins will get this offseason, who are you going with? Because I'm going with Whit Merrifield. I keep seeing, again, Gary Sanchez yeah. would be pissed. But, um, yeah, Whit Merrifield uh, is the one that I keep coming back to. He can play a little all over the place. He can run. He can uh, hit a little bit. I Somehow he's a silver slugger finalist this year. I think he's slugged under 400, so I don't get that at all. But um, familiar with the AL Central, to me – he makes a lot of sense, uh, mostly because I know they're going to try to replace those glue guys. I don't know if they're going to trade for a starter, sign a starter, re- rely yeah. internally. I don't know if they're going to trade for a center field type, what they're going to do. So if I was to pick anyone who's not on the team right now that I think will open the season with them next year, Whit Merrifield's my guy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a specific player, but I think the profile is going to be one of those pitchers who who you're like, that guy's been really good on a bad team for a long time. You know what I mean? Maybe Giolito. Yeah, maybe Giolito. Giolito is an interesting one, especially because like one of our guys was writing, Max Capo was saying like, Festa kind of looks like him. And I was like, man, it mm-hmm. would be a terrible thing for like Giolito. But yes, I'm thinking the Giolito type, right? It might not exactly be him, but like, yeah. how about someone who like, who's sitting there like it's just not worth them like throwing pitches for the team they're playing for you know what i mean they're not it's not going anywhere and like they're star the twins player. are gonna look at somebody and say we can fix him pitching wise and that's who they're going to get and i think you know i'm trying to think like baltimore did that for for, for a little or i'm trying to no, know it was the cubs was it arietta or whatever like you know they like some of these teams <laughs> everyone doing, who left baltimore for the longest time including yes, arietta yes yes yeah. that's what i'm thinking of is like some of these teams where if you if you you know it's almost like if you got dylan bundy when he was younger you know what i mean or something yeah, like that yeah, like yeah exactly yeah, and I think I think like yeah, it's gonna be something like that where and I think the twins are smart in that regard that like yeah that that's what you have to understand as a GM is it's leverage, obviously, but it's just situational. And I think that's so yes, let's say it's Giolito, but it's it's someone like that. That's the pit that's how you replace Sonny Gray, I actually think is like yeah, sell don't give away your best guys in the farm system, but sell a little bit from the farm system, maybe give up a guy who's making an impact in the majors, but isn't crucial, and that's how you kind of you know. That's how you land this guy who everyone everyone at first when it was Lopez, it was like, what the hell? And then yeah, they turn out to be good. Last thing, is this team with what we know now your favorite in the AL Central going into next year? Because I yeah, feel yeah. like it has to be. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think the question is how long is that window open? Because we talked about Detroit getting a little better and and Cleveland. I just think Cleveland's gonna hang around unless they have like an issue with the next manager, but like 
Cleveland has a weird model where it's like it's really hard, I think, to cheer for a team like that because you're basically just banking on someone else messing up. And they're the 2004 Twins. Jose Ramirez is their Joe Maurer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I mean, it's it's a revolving cast of guys who were club control or were traded and got back in a big trade like a Santana versus Lindor. I I see a lot of like the late Metronome Twins in that team, which is uh, both good and bad. Yeah, so I mean, I think the point the point being like Cleveland will always linger and like how good can Detroit get and and where will Chicago yeah. and Kansas City be in a few years? But like, because um, Chicago will always have resources and Kansas City will picks. But like, I think that's yeah. I just see a window here. I, here's the thing though, I don't think they can think yeah we'll be as good as the Astros in two three years. They have to get as good as the Astros right now. That's a big task, yeah. and that's what they're yeah. working on right now. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. I think um, each of those teams has stepped on rakes. In the meantime, as far as the White Sox with so many rakes, Tony La Russa and um, yeah, yeah. staying internal for their GM. We'll see how that goes. So uh, funny. Detroit Tigers with Javier Baez. And we'll see what Spencer Trokelson becomes. But a lot of things that you and I can discuss as the offseason goes on. Tom, we'll have to have you on again real soon. A lot of meat on the bone here for this offseason because the Twins are going to have a lot to prove going into next year. But for now, we're going to take a break. We'll come back a little later today with my offseason blueprint. He's Tom Schreier. I'm Brandon Warren. Thanks for hanging out. This has been Locked on Twins.